0: Greetings and welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, the place for all your news and views of life extension from around the world. It has been a while since we talked about cryonics. But cryonics technology continues to advance year after year and it's about time we get an update on the status of the cryonics industry. One organization that we have not interviewed in the podcast is the Cryonics Institute. Well, this time we remedy that. We will be speaking with Dennis Kowalski, the president of the Cryonics Institute, who is also a firefighter and a nationally registered EMT. And he lets us know what's going on recently around the Cryonics Institute and Cryonics in general. So without further ado, let me welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Dennis Kowalski.
1: Hello, how are you doing? And thanks for having me on.
0: Hello, great to have you on the podcast. For starters, could you give us a little Cliff Notes version of your history and involvement in the cryonics industry?
1: How did I get involved? Well, many years ago, I don't know if you remember, on a talk show that used to have Phil Donahue. Yeah, so he he was doing a talk show about cryonics, and I was a, a youngster at the time, and I thought, boy, that's really an interesting subject. Preserving people who are legally dead in hopes of bringing them back by using cold or ice or cold temperatures and so forth. Um, So actually, there's a lot more to it than that. But as I watched the show, I thought, boy, this really is neat. It makes sense. But how are they going to bring people back? It seemed a little too, even in my young mind, uh, pie in the sky. So uh, I kind of dismissed it, but I thought to myself, on the one hand, it seems smarter or, or lo- more logical than just being buried or cremated. Uh, and we, I mean, we intuitively know that cold preserves things. That's why we put our food in the refrigerator and, and why uh, scientists that are trying to store uh, bacteria and viruses for study use liquid nitrogen and so forth. We store uh, eggs and even embryos for that matter. And uh, so it made sense to me at that point, but I kind of dismissed it for a while. And uh, so later on, I think I was around 18, 19 years old, I used to read a magazine called Omni. And it was uh, taking some really deep philosophical scientific principles and, and bringing it down to the layperson in kind of a slick fashion. In that book, I read an article about molecular nanotechnology. It's just a fancy kind of name and term for reverse engineering life at the really, really, really tiny level. The reason we can't, we don't understand the secret of life and all these other really complex things is because they're really small. Some of these things are smaller than a wavelength of light. So we had to develop tools, which we eventually did in the 80s, uh, scanning tunneling microscopes, atomic force microscopes, and we started kind of uh, unpacking or reverse engineering biological systems at that point. And uh, we found out, boy, they're really, really, really complex. But in principle, cryonics is not impossible. That's the important thing. It's not just pie in the sky. It's just really, really hard to do.
0: So that's when you searched out uh, cryonics organizations or other people involved?
1: Yeah, well, and then, you know, the Internet kind of starting to come to be in the early 90s. And so I did some research, and I found the Cryonics Institute and i did some reading and research and i said boy this now this really makes sense to me so i thought of it again it's a pascal wager of you can get buried or cremated uh, we don't know for sure what's going to happen there is no guarantees the only guarantee is if you don't sign up you get buried or cremated you're guaranteed to from a material sense not have a, a chance but from a scientific stance. Uh, we don't know what will happen, so I opted in to be in to get involved in the experimental side and donate my body to science. So if it doesn't work, I still am advancing science. If it does work, oh, my God, I, everything to gain, nothing to lose, and I'm excited about the future, and it certainly makes more sense than being worm, becoming worm food.
0: Cryonics in general has kind of been a bit player over the last couple of decades as far as medical technology goes, but advancements do occur. How would you characterize the state of the cryonics industry today?
1: Well, I'm going to be honest with you. We're not the hospital of the future. We are in no way that fancy technology that we dream about, but all we are is we're an ambulance ride to that hospital should it exist. So we're pretty simple in a way. We're just a vehicle via the liquid nitrogen process to get you to the future. And whether the future can, you know, unpack what biology does or not, nobody knows. And I'm going to be really honest. You know, when naysayers come in and they say, you know, cronics, there's no evidence that it works. I'll be honest, there's no evidence that it could work today with today's technology. That's the whole point of it. The whole point is that we can't do nothing. Regular medicine and science at some point has to give up throwing the towel but we don't know what will happen in the future so many things that were impossible just 10 20 years ago are possible today because of advancements that just didn't exist 20 years ago for instance uh, 100 years ago if i would have you know talked to you about pounding on someone's chest and shocking them with electricity to bring them back from the dead you might say well that's frankenstein you know and and today that's pretty routine. It's CPR and cardiac defibrillation. Same thing with our cell phones. You know, I can access all the knowledge of mankind at my fingertips and communicate to people in real time across the other side of the world. That would have been a crystal ball 50 years ago, but today it's, we take it for granted, you know?
0: There have been a lot of technological advancements in recent years, and there are a lot of techno-optimists out there in the media, yet Chronix remains very, very small. What do you think is the main reason why Chronix is not more widely adopted? Is it something psychological? Is it religious? Is it something social? What do you think?
1: You know, it seems like people who want to believe in things They want to be sold a bill of goods that is overly slicked up. You know, uh, a lot of cults and religions. I mean, there's thousands more people that have joined cargo cult science and and even religious cults to get to an afterlife or have wasted their money in terrible schemes. We're brutally honest. And I think that to our downfall, we're so honest when we say that this might not work. And, you know, that's how we are. We're ethical. And we believe that this is a chance. That's all it is, is a chance that it might work. Some people think that chance is great. Some think it's small, but it's certainly less than zero.
0: So the cryonics industry is small, right? And it doesn't have a huge marketing budget like a huge corporation. And it can't exactly promise the world an immediate success. So you're saying that's one of the issues, right?
1: I think that's part of it. And uh, you hinted on it, too, with the psychological aspects. I mean, we spend almost our whole lives trying to rationalize that we're going to be dead at someday and we're going to be gone. So, you know, you work really hard to just say, well, you know what? There's nothing I can do. I had a good life and or maybe uh, if I'm lucky, I'll go to heaven and hopefully not the other place. And we spent our, our life. A lot of people spend their life rationalizing that way. And then we come in and throw a monkey wrench in the gears and say, but. But then again, you might not, because if you do this, it kind of upsets the apple cart, psychologically speaking. And there's other reasons. I mean, a lot of people don't even have their uh, life insurance in place, their wills in place. They leave this world. They, You know, you think, it's not going to happen to me, right? I'm not going to die tomorrow. Even though any one of us, you or me, could step out in front of a bus tomorrow and get hit, it's important to have everything lined up in the future. But people... They don't do that. So most people don't have their, their wills in place and everything until they are diagnosed with some end-stage cancer or something like that. Another thing is, this is another strange st- statistic, something like over half, more than 50% of people who are divorced have not changed the life insurance beneficiary in their will. So that means there's a good chance they're leaving all this money to someone they really don't like or love anymore it's uncomfortable to, to address death in general. And then it's also uncomfortable to adjust it with something that is certainly not conventional. You know, we are kind of on the, on the fringe when it comes to that. So they also think that, well, what if, if I go for this, then am I a coward somehow that, you know, it, it seems much more stoic if I say that I'm willing to accept death and those chronics people, they must be really, really afraid of death, but that's, that's not the truth. It's, it's more that we love life so
0: of course some of the very first cryonics patients were what is called straight frozen just like throwing something into the freezer but of course technology has advanced what is the most recent protocol or what recent advances has CI engaged in with respects to freezing patients or suspending patients
1: so first of all i want to say that i don't completely write off those patients because if molecular nanotechnology ever does come to be, there's every bit of a chance that it will be able, and it's going to be needed probably for good suspensions that, are, that use our vitrification protocol, which I'll go into. But if you can fix all the damage that's done from aging, fix all the damage that's done from the freezing process, even with a good suspension, and also whatever actually killed someone, that's a huge amount of damage that has to be fixed and it's going to require something like molecular nanotechnology that doesn't exist yet that should be able to fix a lot of the straight freezes but we just don't know yet we just don't know but what has changed over the years is with a straight freeze a person just goes straight into liquid nitrogen and there's damage from that process so it's ironic the the same process that preserves you for the future is also going to cause damage because ice crystallization forms in between the cells in the interstitial spaces, and, and that can poke holes and, and actually do physical structural damage to the cells. You know, but you can kind of think of that like taking a, a document and putting it through a shredder. That document's not in good condition, but you can, in theory, piece together those pieces of paper and still read what's on that document. And if you can fix things at the molecular level, you won't see rips and tears. What vitrification does is it's kind of a biological antifreeze, and it was developed by uh, one of our cryobiologists that used to work for us years ago, Yuri Perchugin, and how that works is this antifreeze turns everything into a glassy state between the tissues so that it doesn't have a chance to form the ice crystals it's one way of looking at it is like if you take pancake syrup, it doesn't really freeze and crystallize on a cold day, it just it gets thicker and thicker and thicker until it just stops moving and it gets locked into place. That's how uh, vitrification works kind of. Um, I mean that's oversimplification, but if you can get enough of the cryoprotectant into the cells, you can stave off a lot of the structural damage, not all of it, but a lot of it.
0: One of the things that people marvel about uh, with the Chronics Institute is the very value-priced preservation that you offer. Can you say anything about how Chronics Institute is able to preserve and suspend and operate through, through all these years at such a low cost?
1: Absolutely. So, cryonics, mostly in the across the world, is a nonprofit venture. Not all nonprofits are the same. I've heard of nonprofits where their CEOs are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I start to wonder how nonprofit are they. But um, in our case, we operate truly as a nonprofit. All of our records are open for public scrutiny. You can see where we spend every dime. Most of the people that work with us are doing volunteer work. A lot of other people are doing work, getting paid much less than they would had they been working in a comparable field outside of Cranex, myself included. For many years, I worked as the president with no salary at all. And now I take kind of an expense salary, but not very much. So that's probably the largest expense in any company is salaries of people. So we've done our best to really eliminate that and allow that money to grow. All the money that comes in that 28,000, we use a small percentage of it for the cryogenic procedure, but most of it gets invested in index funds. And it's been compounding index funds over since 1976. So after all that time, that's a lot of money. And so because of scales of economy, uh, or economies of scale, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. things get cheaper. You know, if you got one person in a facility or a hundred people, it's the same facility, so now it, it gets less expensive. So adjusted for inflation, we've actually gone down in price. We're still the same twenty-eight thousand that we were in '76, but we haven't gone up, and you know everything else has gone up. And-
0: and of course, people might wonder at the value cost that you offer, what is the long-term financial stability of the Chronics Institute? How do you navigate the ups and downs of inflation and the economy? What are the plans for the future? How do you remain solvent and be able to reanimate people again in the future?
1: I think it's actually a testament that we are stable, that we've over 40 years, we have had, had to raise our prices. So it shows that we're not sitting there chasing inflation uh we're doing something about it we're growing faster than inflation as far as our investments are concerned i can't say that we'll never ever ever need to raise prices but i can say that the fact that we haven't is a good testament that we we know what we're doing and we're able to keep costs down we we truly aren't a for-profit we're, we are a nonprofit. this to us is a life raft that we're part of every single person that runs the chronics institute It's a democratically elected organization, so the members actually vote for our board of directors. Our board of directors vote for the officers, and that's who runs Cronix. It's a self-run organization. Nobody's trying to get rich, but we're trying to have this life raft for the future. So, you know, if people want to give more, donate more, we'd, we'd certainly encourage that. If they want to put some more money aside in uh, their own personal trust fund, if they've got millions of dollars, they may want to leave some extra to us and then also leave some extra in a trust fund that kind of watches us or also uh, provides revival funds, if you will. We anticipate that once uh, the re- revival technology is available The organization will gradually dissolve itself as our mission goes away and use all the assets that were used for keeping people in perpetual storage to be used for actual revival. We've not had any problems over 40 plus years. I mean, it's saying we're perfect, but we've had so few problems
0: yeah well uh, people from the outside i'm sure can testify to the longevity of the cryonics institute now on to more of a social personal kind of note of course robert ettinger was well known or acknowledged as the founder of the modern cryonics industry back in the 1960s of course he was a longtime leader of the Cryonics institute and about nine years ago he did pass away and is now in suspension at ci could you give me an idea of how people felt around the cryonics institute what was the mood what did people think about such a leading figure in cryonics passing away and being suspended
1: well certainly there was a lot of grief i mean we in cryonics like to say that being suspended isn't a great thing i mean it, it means that you had to die we like to say it's the second worst thing that can possibly happen to you the worst thing being that you die and you're not cryogenically suspended, but or suspended uh, we'd certainly rather f- have some advanced technology just keep us alive, you know, but it seems like that's always 10, 15, 20 years away. And the, the beauty of Chronics is you have all the time in the world to wait for for that 10, 20 years times maybe a, a hundred to happen. So it was a lot of sorrow and, you know, certainly missed his wisdom and and everything about him. That being said, he served as an example, as the founder of Kranix, Uh when he actually went into suspension, he had an excellent suspension. He did everything right. All the pre-planning, his family obviously helped out and uh, made sure that his wishes were carried out. He's proof that you don't need to spend a ton of money to get an optimal suspension.
0: And for the podcast listeners, is there any final words you want to say about the Cryonics Institute or anything that you want people to know about the cryonics industry, anything upcoming, anything special? Well,
1: I'd like to say that if you're interested in cryonics, check us out. Check our website out. There's a lot more information, a lot more than I've actually talked about here. Um, there's a magazine, online magazine that, uh, you can get a free subscription to. There's tons of videos and just, just so much information. Check us out and do research. That's, you know, ask questions. That's what I did. And that's why I came to get involved with Quranics myself.
0: Dennis Kowalski, president of the Chronics Institute. Thanks for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. And I appreciate it.
0: As many of you know, cryonics is still regarded as rather speculative by mainstream science and news sources, but it progresses every year. Technology improves, so keep an eye on the Cryonics Institute and other cryonics organizations around the world for future updates. It might be a technology that could save your life in the future. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.